0: Today we're going to be talking about desire. And I want, before we turn to a verse here, to imagine a story that happened in the Bible. It's funny, this week I I got a text message from Lewis, and every once in a while he messages me a question about the Bible readings him and his lady are doing, and I really enjoy that. And this week he asked me a question about this particular story, and he was appalled. And I praise the Lord he was appalled, because when we read it, we all should be appalled. It's a story, and envision this as if you will. Imagine you being in your house one evening. The sun had not quite set yet, and you are there, and you get a knock at the door. You're busy relaxing and, and doing what you're doing. You had just taken a shower, and there's a knock at your door, and you open it, expecting to see a friend or family member, and instead you see Captain of the King's Guard. That would take you back a little bit. And the Captain of the King's Guard says... The king wants to see you now, of course, this woman or you, if you're putting yourself in this woman's place, knew who this king was. In fact, he was one of the most beloved, if not the most beloved kings of Israel, of Judah. He She, of course, had seen him from afar, did not know him personally from what we can read. But as she knew that the king wanted to see her, she probably decided that she wanted to put on on something appropriate to go to the palace. And so she made herself ready and followed the captain of the king's guard to the palace as she was expecting to go into the throne room of the king. But the captain of the king's guard didn't, in fact, lead her into the throne room. He led her to his bedroom. Expecting to see the king in kingly robes and sitting upon the throne, she entered into his private quarters, his bedroom there, and he was not sitting upon his throne, but he was sitting upon his bed. This is, of course, the story that we know of of David in Bathsheba. David, a man after God's own heart, falling to such a level of adultery. If you want to look at the story, we're going to read just a few verses here so we can take a look at a few important points. 2 Samuel chapter 11 is where you find this story. And when you read this story, the thought that comes to mind is, David, what are you thinking? 2 Samuel chapter 11 And we're going to start in verse two, chapter one, um, verse one, second Samuel chapter 11, verse one, says that it was the time of year when the kings went off to battle. And normally David was a man of war. He was in battle in the thick of things. Right. He was there with his generals. In fact, I believe that David probably enjoyed it a little bit more than he should have. But this time, this this season of battle, he decided that he was going to stay back and enjoy some time alone in the palace. And in verse two, we pick this up. Second Samuel eleven verse two, and it came to pass in evening tide that David arose from off of his bed. So get this: it's light enough outside so that he can see his neighbors. All right, an evening tide means the afternoon. My first point is David, what are you doing in bed at evening? You should be up and doing something in the afternoon, right? Why are you lounging around in bed? Idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? So here we find David, and he's laying there in bed at evening time, and he decides to go for a little bit of a walk. We continue on. David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired of the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam? Eliam, excuse me, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. And then the next verse continues to show that David didn't just look, but David took. David there, realizing that this woman was beautiful to look after and look upon, continues to see her, and he doesn't turn away and flee from the scene, but he acts upon a thought in his mind that we like to term lust. We're going to be talking about the word lust today. But David not only thought about this, but he planned it, and he wanted this woman so much that he took one of the most loyal people in his army and had him killed so that David could have his wife. It's shameful, isn't it? All for one word that we call lust. Lust is a loaded word, isn't it? A word that is probably one of the major causes of sin on earth. When we think of the word lust, I I, I called my dad a couple weeks ago and asked him about this because he's a wise man and I respect him. And I said, Dad, when you think of the word lust, what do you think about? And he told me two things. He said, first of all, take a look at the story of David and Bathsheba and you'll get A good idea of what lust is talking about. And he said, second of all, lust is driving down the road on a hot summer day, seeing somebody walk by and continuing to follow her. That's what lust is. And I think my dad was right. But let's jump ahead now. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 not only talks to us about lust, but it shows us the aftermath. James 1, 14 and 15. James 1, 14 and 15 puts it this way, but every man, how many men? Every one of us. And this isn't talking about just males, it's talking about mankind. So you ladies aren't off the hook. Every man is tempted. But when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust has conceived or dwelled upon, it bringeth forth sin and sin. When it is finished, bringeth forth death. One of the things that we see, interestingly enough, about lust is that when lust is dwelled upon over and over and over again, it leads to action, doesn't it? I remember when I was just about 15, 16 years old and puberty was just beginning to flow through. I was with some of my friends who were of the same age. And I remember after church one day, ironically, sitting with some of them outside and one of them saying, it doesn't matter what you think as long as you don't do it. And then he said the famous words, you can look as long as you don't touch. I don't think that I don't actually I know for a fact that that boy isn't even alive today. If we continue to dwell upon the lust and the fantasies in our mind, we're playing with fire. And the Bible is very clear about this. Lust can never be quenched. Think about that for a minute. Carnal lust can never be quenched. Because if you fulfill and satisfy that lust in your heart and in your mind and you commit an act in adultery to attempt to fill that lust, then that hole is going to get bigger. And the appetite for lust is going to grow stronger and stronger. Lust can never be quenched. The only way to fill that void in your heart is true love. Not just a love for your spouse, which we're going to be talking about in a minute, but a love for God. Most sin in this life can be taken back to our mind. In fact, all of it can, can't it? First John describes it very clearly. Let's go there. First John chapter two, not the gospel, but first John, right there towards revelation. First John chapter 2 and verse 15. Puts it very plainly. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. This is what the Word of God says Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, The pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the what? Every sin that humanity can commit or does commit can somehow be categorized into one of these three things, can't it? Lust of the eyes, seeing and wanting, the lust of the flesh, a feeling of needing something more, and also the pride of what life really is. In fact, if you look back at Jesus right after he had been baptized, was led into the wilderness, those are the three categories that the devil tempted him with. Lust can never be quenched unless it is filled with the love of God. For everything that God makes, there's a counterfeit, isn't there? And we see that over and over and over again. We've talked about this before because of the Ten Commandments talks about this a lot. But for everything that God wants you to have pleasure with, the devil has twisted. Think about the Sabbath, right? A prime example. Does God want you to have pleasure on the Sabbath? He does, right, of spiritual pleasure. But the devil has taken one thing that God has made for us as humanity, and that is called love. And he has taken the word love and the feeling, and it's more than a feeling, by the way. Love is something that we act upon and it drives us. Amen. The devil has taken love and he has twisted it into a word called lust. The things that our children are watching in Hollywood is lust. That's not love the things that bombard people in their television screens or in their music whatever they're listening to by the way that's not love that's lust i want to tell you a story and this story is extremely graphic and so i'm going to use words that only adults can really understand so the children can't don't don't know what's going on i am a subscriber and a supporter financially of a An entity and it's called Pornography Kills Love. It's a really great system and it helps people get out of this addiction of pornography. And I got a magazine from them a few months ago and in a story I, and in this article I read something that startled me. Technology has grown in case you haven't noticed. And with technology, the church struggles to keep up. But society doesn't. And pornography is right on the breaking edge of technology. There was a young 15-year-old boy who had just gotten a new cell phone. And with cell phone, he was also given access to the internet. He was about 15, 16 years old. And it was one of those cell phones that you can also have virtual reality with, right? Have you seen those? Where you can, it's this, the eyeglasses that you put on, you snap your phone in, and then it's like, it's, it's, it's like you are there. You can go up and down, and you can, it's, you're in a whole other world. And with that virtual reality, he had bought in these very expensive new headphones that you can plug in, and it surrounds sound. So if there's something that happens in the back of you, you hear it from, from the back. It sounds like a bird's in the back, if there's a bird. It's incredible stuff. And with that as well, I don't know if you even know this exists, but in the headphone jack of the phone there, he plugged a scent dispersing element that you can smell like you're there too. So for instance, if you were wanting to be in a garden meadow, you could put this in, you could hear the birds tweet, tweeting everywhere from behind and to the side and in front of you. You could look around and behind you could see it all and you could smell the flowers. But that is an innocent way to use this. But this boy went on to one of the popular pornography websites, and they have manufactured their videos to use all of those different things. Virtual reality—it hears like you are. The, it, it, it sounds like you are there, and it also smells like you're there. This 15-year-old boy took his new equipment, and he went into a bathroom stall in his home. And as he closed the door. He was in there for hours. Well, his mother came to check on him to make sure that he was okay, and he opened the door, she opened the door to find her boy dead. Covered in fecal matter and other matter as well. The mother, of course, rushed the boy to the hospital, and the doctor said that he died of overstimulation. From what he was watching, listening to, and smelling. Brothers and sisters, adultery has gone to a completely different level. Studies show that our children under the age of 16 have watched 40 plus hours of pornography by the time they reach the age of 16. It's an epidemic. When our children are becoming adults, they are already not just addicted to other things, but our children are already becoming addicted to immoral things by the time they become adults. And it's an issue. A lot of people think that pornography is alright because you're not committing the act. But let's take a look at what Jesus had to say about that, shall we? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be taking a look here at verse 27. Jesus here is speaking the Mount of Blessings. And as he is there, there are many people in the audience Matthew 5, 27, it says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. What's he quoting from? Ten Commandments, right? If the Pharisees and the Sadducees were there, which I'm sure there were some there, they probably agreed wholeheartedly, right? Of course we believe in the Ten Commandments. Of course we believe we should not commit adultery. But then he takes it a step further, as Jesus always does in verse 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman or if you're a woman, looketh upon a man, to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And then he continues to say, if your eye is offending you, it's better to pluck it out and cast it from you than your whole body be burned in hell, right? If we look back at King David, David's whole issue was that as he was there on his roof, he looked, saw something he shouldn't be seeing, but he continued to look at it, right? David wasn't thinking for himself, but something else was thinking for him, if you know what I'm saying. Could it be that somehow humanity is trading eternity for 10 seconds of pleasure? Could it be that all many of us sitting in this room today or many of us in this world are committing adultery in our hearts, but not doing the act of it? My friends, God has given you the spouse. God has given you the children that he wants you to be with. God has created sexual intimacy for you to be a pleasurable thing, amen? It's supposed to be a beautiful thing. God wants us to desire it, but because we live in such a perverted world, of course, the devil would pervert this as well. Let's look at a few other verses here that I want to be looking at. Go to Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51. It's a great chapter. In case you didn't know, Psalms chapter 51 is the prayer that David prayed to the Lord after he committed this terrible sin with Bathsheba. Psalms chapter 51, and we're going to be looking here at verse 6 and also verse 10. Psalm 51, verse 6. Notice what it says here. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, a clean mind, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David knew where his sin with Bathsheba began, didn't he? He knew that it began in his mind and in his heart. And after the sin with Bathsheba, he is pleading to God the Father, saying, create in me a new mind. Create in me a new heart. Give me the right desires that I desire not after that, but I desire only after you. Let's take a look at one more verse. And this verse is David's son writing here, Solomon. And he puts it very clearly in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter six verse twenty seven. Proverbs six twenty seven says this can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her Shall not be innocent. What these verses are saying is if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. If we're thinking sexual immoral thoughts, then the likelihood of us committing a sexually immoral act physically is most likely going to take place. Stop it at the root, amen. And when we stop it at the root, we shouldn't just stop it and resist and resist and resist, but we have to fill it with something, amen. And it might sound crude, but that sexual desire that you have, the unholy sexual desire that you have, God's the only one that can fill it. And God's not going to fill it in a sexual way, by the way. But when God fills your heart with His love, we can be content. Amen? As we've looked at this physical adultery aspect i want to look at it in another aspect as well do you think it is possible for us as christians to commit spiritual adultery what do you think i believe so too if you look at the book of revelation we find that the hundred and forty-four thousand, which i'm not going to be talking about what that number means today because there's lots of different ideas and theories about it but i know that if god wants me to be one i want to be a member of that group amen but the 144,000, it describes them as being chaste virgins. Now, Revelation is a symbolic book, so I don't mean that, I don't believe that those people of the 144,000 are actual virgins, but spiritually speaking, those people are spiritually pure. Amen? How can we stay spiritually pure? Let's look at Romans chapter 2. Let's go to Paul for a minute. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter two, verse twenty-two. Romans two twenty-two says this: "Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You that abhor idols, do you commit sacrilege? You that make us the boast of the law." Through breaking the law dishonoreth God. For the name of God is blaspheming on the Gentiles through you, as it is written. When people think of Seventh-day Adventists, when th- people think of Christians, don't you think that they should think of, of pure people sexually? I remember I was just at a church in Big Rapids a few weeks ago, and there was a lady who came, who was a brand new visitor. And I was so excited that she was there. And she came in to support one of her friends that was just being baptized. And she had been um, around Adventists before. And I was really excited about it. And so I was talking with her. And she said, I will never become a member of this church, which I hear a lot. And I smile. I don't really take seriously because I know that hopefully they will be someday. And she said, I'll never be a member of this church. And I smiled. And of course, I had to ask the question, why not? And she told me this, and it broke my heart. She said, every single Seventh-day Adventist man that I have ever met was unfaithful to his wife. Now, that's no excuse for not joining God's Remnant Day Church. But it put a dagger in my heart. We as Seventh-day Adventist Christians should be known as people that are faithful to their spouses. Amen. Let's look at another verse here. Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4 You would think that as we look at the divorce rate in the in the world today that the divorce rate in Christianity would be a little bit lower, wouldn't you say? because God is on our side but the fact is is that the statistics aren't even any different the statistics of worse in the church are as, are the same as those out in the non-Christian sect as well Philippians 4 verse 11 says this not that I speak in respect of want." what Paul is saying here is that God gives me everything that I need for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content brothers in the church who are married or that have a fiancé. God has given you your wife and your future spouse for a reason. We should be content with that. Amen? Not just content, but we should cherish it. Females in our church today who have a husband or have one coming up God has given you the man in your life for a reason. We should be content with him amen and we should cherish him. And we should also look out for each other as well amen. I'm to the point in humanity and you can you can call me, I don't know calloused and don't get me wrong. I love my fellow man because I believe that every single one of them should be saved. And I'll do anything to see someone else in the kingdom of God. But with my love for humanity, I also don't have much trust for them anymore either. In our world today, I believe that we should not only be guarding ourselves from sexual immorality, but we should be guarding other people from it as well. And my wife and I are really open about this together because... I have made it a rule in my ministry and my life, and she has as well, that I am not going to, for instance, be driving a female alone in my car unless my wife is there or she's over 85 years old. That would work too. Why? Not because I don't trust myself. Not because I don't trust her but I don't want things to be said. I'm to the point where, and I praise the Lord for this, and men in the room can, can also probably agree, women have intuition. Did you know that? i been learning this more and more. And with an outgoing personality, and I'm a pretty outgoing guy, sometimes when you're outgoing, some people can take that outgoing personality for something different. And sometimes my wife will come up to me and praise the Lord for her. And by the way, did you know Sister White says in her writings that it is the job of the wife to soften the man's heart. I praise the Lord for that. And my wife tells me when I'm, and she, she always keeps her eye on me, praise the Lord for that, but sometimes after a, a meeting or social setting, wherever we are, we'll be getting in the car, I'm driving home, and she'll say, be careful with that one. Don't ever be alone with that one. And I praise the Lord for that, and I heed that. you know why? Because my wife sees something that I'm oblivious to. When I'm in a social setting, and I see that somebody has approached my wife, and I can tell that there's a conversation going on that she's uncomfortable with, guess where I'm going? I'm going there, amen? Not only should we be doing this, but we should be communicating with each other about it, amen? I'm to the point also as well, if I'm in a public bathroom, and a young boy comes in, and I'm the only one there, I leave as quickly as I can. You never know in society today. Just because you are being a sexual, pure person doesn't mean that the devil isn't going to get you in a spot that isn't good. If the devil knows that you are a soul winner, and the devil knows that you are furthering the work of God, he's going to create a circumstance that can ruin your ministry. He's going to create a circumstance that can ruin your name so that nobody will respect what you say about the Word of God anymore. And we need to be mindful of that. We need to be watchful. And not only just mindful, but we need to communicate with our spouses. We need to communicate with our families about it. If you have a young boy in your home, and he has access to a cell phone, which most do these days. I'm speaking against it or for it. But if they have access to the Internet, maybe take away the phone when they go to bed at night. Because things can be accessed that I'm sure that you don't want your children to be seeing. And by the way, if you have parental controls on your internet, praise the Lord for that. But young people are smart. And this generation of young people, which I'm a part of, tend to be a little bit more technological savvy than their parents. And they can often find holes here and there that you don't know about. Not only should we be guarding our spouse in ourselves, but we should be guarding our children as well. Let's look at one more verse here today. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter chapter 6 and verse 6. says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So simple, isn't it? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Then he continues, for we brought nothing into this world. When you were born, did you bring anything with you? Sure didn't, right? Not even a smile. we a purple face. We brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that we can carry nothing out of it. And having food and raiments, let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I don't know about you, but I believe that we are living in earth's final days. And I believe that we are living in a great controversy between good and evil. Amen. If we are living in a great controversy between good and evil, then, my friends, we have no time to be entangling ourselves in things of this life. I don't know if you guys know the story of a man by the name of King Henry VIII. Have you heard of him before? King Henry VIII was king of England, and he had power. But King Henry VIII was, um, he was a very eccentric type of a guy. Not only was he eccentric, but he was full of himself. And we know that. For fact, King Henry VIII was very um, prideful about his athletics. Um, he would brag to all of his subjects and to women about his shapely legs. <laughs> I laughed when I read that. But not only was he proud about that, he also had an issue with adultery. If you know King Henry VIII, you know that he was married not just several times, but many times, Right? one right after another. And in some of those cases, we find that he even took some of his wives and put them on the execution block. One of these such women was Anne Boleyn. Now, King Henry VIII was married already, and I'm sure at some time, he claimed that he loved this spouse. But somehow, we don't know exactly how, he met this woman, Anne Boleyn, and they started to have an affair And as they started to have this affair, King Henry VIII asked her if she would marry him. Now, of course, this woman knew that it was wrong, right? Because he was married already. But she was so excited to be a queen. I don't know exactly all of her motivation. But she was ready to take another woman's husband. And so she did. King Henry VIII divorced his previous wife, and Anne Boleyn became his new one. But as time went on, when you marry for lust, that lust eventually dies away. And Anne Boleyn, I'm sure, very soon realized that if you marry or become involved with someone who has left somebody previously for lust, the possibility of them leaving you for somebody else is pretty high. And Anne Boleyn didn't just find herself divorced, but as King Henry VIII found another wife, he framed Anne Boleyn, and she was put on the execution block, and she died because of adultery. I want to be very upfront with you today about something, and my wife would probably cringe a little bit, but the Bible's very clear, and I say this in a spirit of love people that are continuing with sexually immoral thoughts and people that entertain active lust of fantasies in their deepest parts of their minds and in their hearts, my friends, they're not going to heaven. Those that are sexually impure will not see the kingdom of God. Let that sink in for just a minute. You know, sometimes we wax so long on certain subjects, we don't say what really needs to be said. And that's the truth of it. But there's an exception. King David was called the man after God's own heart. He not only committed adultery, but he killed a man so that he could have that adultery. And as he repented there in Psalm 51 and said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, guess what God did in David's heart? He made it clean again. I don't know what you've done in your past, and I don't want to know. That's between you and God maybe your spouse. I don't know if you have been sexually impure. I don't know if there are things to be ashamed of. Maybe you've coveted things that aren't yours. Maybe you are wanting a bigger house, whatever it may be. I'm not sure. But when we ask God to create in us a clean heart, it doesn't matter what we have done in our past. He can make you clean from it. Amen. He did it for David, and I know that he can do it for you. If you have a hole in your heart and you are craving sexual intimacy and unholy sexual intimacy, talk to the Lord about it and He will fill it. And one day, when we are all marching into the gates of heaven, because Jesus let us get there, adulterers, liars, murderers, addicts, all of them will be known as children of God as long as they have accepted his free gift of eternal life and like David had truly repented. But the wonderful thing about true repentance like David did in Psalm 51 was not only did God create in David a clean heart, not only did David apologize, but true repentance also has to do with change, doesn't it? So this week, I just want to make a small appeal. and I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand or anything. But this week, my challenge for you, and it's going to be a little bit different. If you're married, this is my challenge for you. It's communication. Be honest with your spouse about things. If you're driving down the street and you have a lustful thought in your mind, don't just keep it to yourself, but tell your wife about it. Tell your husband about it. That will do two things. It will build trust with your spouse, believe it or not, because you're being open and honest. And number two, you'll be able to work on it together. Amen? So be open and honest with God and your spouse about things that are happening in your mind. Secondly, for those of you that aren't married, maybe you're single, maybe you're young, whatever it may be. It would be a wonderful thing if you could talk to God about this subject. Because I'm sure, for each and every one of you, that God has somebody out there for you. Maybe God has called you to be single, and He'll make, you know, he'll make that known to you. But if marriage is something that you are looking for in the future... Pray to God for your spouse right now. Don't start when you meet her, but start praying for her now. Start praying for him now, whoever it may be. And as you continue to pray for that future spouse and he or she comes along, God will allow you and help you to recognize the characteristics that you're looking for. So today, my friends, my prayer for us is that we would be physically And spiritually faithful to not just our spouses, but to our God. Amen. Amen. That we would truly know what love is really all about. And that it's not lustful, but it's purity. Let's close with prayer. Father, Lord, you have heard what was on my heart today. And Father, it's a subject that I don't really like to talk about, but it's one that's in your word. So it must be talked about. Father, help us to take what we've learned today and not be ashamed and not feel like that we are too unholy or impure for you because that's a lie from the devil, Lord. But help us to come to you to begin that process of creating a new heart and mind. We pray in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.